Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack, fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Hey, everybody. It's Debbie Kamau Bell. You may know me from the podcast. Denzel Washington is the greatest actor of all time, period. And some of you may know me from the uh, TV show Totally Biased. And today I'm here to do something a little bit different, although it's basically all just me talking. But uh, yeah, this is a conversation that I had with an ex-LAPD police officer named Anthony Escobar. It features him and me and a comedy writer and friend of mine named Ethan Berlin. And this came together in sort of a loose way. Uh, We were shooting a pilot for a TV show that may or may not reveal itself later. And we needed security, and so the production company hired Anthony. He does security and is uh, for work now that he's not now that he's not an LAPD officer anymore. And uh, he was hired to be my security for the shoot we did. And we had a lot of driving on the shoot, and we traveled a lot, to a lot of different places. And he drove the car that I was in, and so it was basically just me, him, and Ethan. And this all occurred uh, in late summer, right after everything jumped off in Ferguson after the. Uh, the murder of Michael Brown by a police officer, Darren Wilson. And so we were talking about that, and Anthony's got a very specific perspective on that because he's an ex-LAPD officer, uh, and I have a very specific perspective on that because I'm a black guy. And Ethan had a perspective on that because he's uh, Ethan. (laughs) And so we were talking about it. We had these long drives in cars, and we were talking about pleasing in America, and and I was telling him what, what I know I think and what some other people in the black community think. And he was telling me what it is like to be a cop. And it was a very relaxed conversation that we never would have had if we hadn't been in such close quarters for such a long period of time. And eventually, Ethan had the idea that we should tape it and just see how the conversation went. And maybe we would release it. And I've kind of been sitting on it for a few months just because I didn't really know what to do with it. It wasn't really meant to be released, but it, there's a lot of good stuff in here. Uh, you know, it's just, it's interesting. You know, we sit down and we sort of kick it around a little bit. And so I'm going to share it with you guys and see what you think about it. Uh, just so you know, this was taped months ago. So there will be talk of Ferguson, uh, from a perspective from way before, uh, the grand jury decided not to indict Darren Wilson. Uh, there's going to be talk of Ferguson about the Mike Brown case in ways about things that we now know to be true and things we now know not to be true. So please don't get too frustrated with that. We just didn't want to cut all that out and really sort of break up the conversation. But uh, it's I think it's a good conversation. It is a very uh, it's a funny conversation because we're having a good time talking about all these things, even though some of these things are are not fun to think about. But I think that's the way we got to some new understandings because we had uh, we decided to let ourselves let our hair down and really talk about it. And, you know, so uh, take it for what it is, a conversation between me, an ex-LAPD police officer, and Ethan Berlin being recorded in a La Quinta uh, somewhere in middle America. I don't remember what state it was in. 
And if you guys dig it and enjoy it, we will uh, maybe do some more of these with Anthony or other police officers. Uh, although I'd like Anthony. He's a cool dude. Never thought I'd say that about a police officer. But uh, uh, but yeah, check it out. Here it is. All right. Here we go. We are rolling in La Quinta. <clears throat> it's La Quinta. You keep saying La Quinta. Are you doing that on purpose? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Trying to irritate me. My dad says Fajita, and he's not doing it on purpose. Mm, so Fajitas. I, I think I get extra sensitive around <laughs> the mispronunciations of the of the uh, Spanish language. Mm-hmm. You people ruining my people's language. Exactly. <laughs> that you don't speak. That I don't speak. <laughs> okay. Hey, everybody. This is W. Kamal Bell here, and to my right is... Uh, Ethan T. Berlin. And across from me is... Anthony Escobar. Oh, wow. I yeah. don't think I ever heard your last name before. Yeah. You were surprised? Yeah, it's, it just sounds like there might be trouble. <laughs> trouble. You know my uncle. You might know. You might have heard of him. Yeah, I might have heard of your uncle. Uh, so, uh, we're here. We're at uh, in, we're in Missouri. Uh, you know me from Totally Bias. Ethan was an executive producer of Totally Bias. And uh, we were just recently working on a television project together. We're about to go home today. And this is the first time I ever worked on a TV project where I actually had personal security <laughs> when we worked on totally biased there was security there but basically at night when i went home they're like good luck now <laughs> on your own you're on your own negro you're on your own even though they were also negroes most of them uh i think all of them were it was new york uh so so yeah so but i actually had personal security and round the clock security because we had a second guy who came in uh because the streets got hot where we was and so, uh, and, and Ethan is not my personal security guard on this trip. Uh, I am so deep undercover, you don't even know. Oh, wow. You're like, yeah. <laughs> so you have been security. Yeah. The whole, th- you, your, your cover was that you were a comedy writer. Yep. I've been working on it for about 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> well, just to protect just me. Just for this, yeah. That time that I thought there was only one set of footprints in the sand. It was. <laughs> Ethan was carrying me. But uh, Anthony over here, across from me, uh, was, I met the first day we all got into town. And was introduced, and I didn't know who anybody was. I didn't know when this project. Most of us had only met over the internet, and I didn't know who Anthony was. I thought he was like, you know, a, the most sullen PA of all time. Yeah, <laughs> 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 that, that sour look on his face that first day. Yeah, and uh, but then I found out he was going to be the security guy, and I knew we had talked about security because we thought we would need it for this project. And and then we went around the table, and everybody gave their resume, and Anthony introduced himself, and you said. And int- well, introduce yourself right now. Um, Anthony Escobar. I uh, worked at LAPD for 18 years. Uh, the last two years, I worked uh, Metropolitan Division, which is LAPD's quote-unquote elite tactical division. Out of there is uh, K9, SWAT. So you know we're supposed to know what we're doing. Okay, yeah, and and, I, and that's basically how you said it. And when he said I was an LAPD for 18 years, I went, oh god. Because <laughs> yeah, when you first looked at me, you gave me a look like, hey, okay, I was just a little PA. And then when I said security, you were really nice to me. Like, hey, man, what's going on? Because <laughs> my wow. wife told me, yeah. buddy up with your security guy. Because <laughs> my wife was really, you know, we won't go into what the project is. Uh, that may reveal itself later. But uh, she was worried about what we were doing. And so when I've, I, I didn't know who anybody was. And often when I don't know who people are, I just I'm the only child. I just go in. Uh, so, but then when you said you were security, I was like, okay, good. And you, and Ethan, would you say he looks like a guy who? Yeah. He de- not well, a security guard. I would be clear. He looks like a guy who. He looks who, like a cop. He looks like a cop. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I saw him in the elevator on the first day down. That's right. And it was clear that he was a cop because uh, I knew we had an armed guard and he had one of those uh, like metallic briefcases. Yes. And I was like, oh, hey, are you on the CNN show? 
and he was like, oh, I'm, I'm just in town working. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And I was like, this is him. I, that was so, I mean, the number of times I heard Anthony, like when people ask him direct questions, just sort of this, basically say, don't worry about it without saying, don't worry about it. Yeah. Well, you have to be like that. But we were, when we met in the elevator, mm-hmm. you said, are you, are you selling it? Oh, no. And you were trying to buy it. Yeah, I was trying to buy that gun. Yeah. Whenever I'm on the road, I'm like, can I get a new gun? A new gun. Yeah. For Ethan's huge gun collection. My arsenal. Yeah, uh, so I should say this is probably the first episode of black guy, Jewish guy, and Latino guy talking about guns. <laughs> <laughs> and no one's trying to buy or sell anything, no and it's a friendly conversation. Yeah. But when you said you were an LAPD, just because there's, and, and let me be clear, I've never been arrested, I've never been held for questioning, I've never been brought in, never been put in a lineup, uh, you know, certainly I've had interactions with the police. Uh, but I would say the biggest thing that's ever happened. Of course to you me, have. Of course, <laughs> of course you have. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look at me. It's it's America in the twenty first century. I'm a black guy. Uh, was when I was like sixteen or seventeen. I got pulled over for what I think was driving while ba- black because they didn't give me a ticket or anything, and I was a half block from home, and I was in a brand new Ford Taurus, which at that point was a very hot car to have. Woo. Uh, so that was the and they and they like I said, they said I ran a stop sign. I don't think I did. They, they pulled me out of the car. I stood up. They said, "Where do you live?" And I pointed a block away, and they let me go. So I just want to say that because. We've had these talks about this that even though I don't have haven't had the really bad treatment from police officers, I think there's just something about growing up in the black community where you're suspicious of police officers. So that when you said LAPD for 18 years, I thought, oh man, I'm gonna have to get a security guy for my security <laughs> guy. <laughs> Inter Ethan. Yeah, yeah, Inter that's, Ethan. That's where I stepped that's, in. That's where Ethan. And I, I mean, it was funny. I was like, all right, well, I mean, I, I didn't think you wouldn't do a good job. Right. But I didn't, I didn't think we would bond and become friendly. That, yeah, yeah. I'm like, that's guys give me dirty looks every time. One of those things. Give me one of those things where I'm like, where I don't, where I don't talk to you. Just, uh, just take my bags and keep walking. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, but I just, I was like, all right. I just, okay, well, that's good. That's good. Uh, but very quickly, you know, you you know, you proved yourself that you actually cared about the th- cared, and, and you really take your job super seriously. Yeah, yeah. There's no question. And we drove a lot. The three of us drove a lot because we had about a eight lot. Hour, a lot. And we had like an eight hour drive. We drove a lot, and you drove. And uh, by the end of it, two of us had decided that Nirvana was overrated, and one yes. of us, yeah, yes. two of you are wrong. Yeah, 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 yeah. And one of us uh, got our feelings hurt. Yeah, I just want to say they're one of the uh, number one all time artists. And they really speak to me. Cool players? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Next so, question. And over the course of this eight-hour drive, we started to talk about, Ethan, I think, was one who initiated, like, started asking questions because we are in the middle of not only Ferguson, but several situations around the country where unarmed people of different races uh, have been killed by police officers. Uh, and none of those cases have been resolved yet. But it's a time in America right now where, where like, the black community and many communities are standing up and going, like, what's going on? Why does this feel like it happens too much, happens very often? I think part of this is because we live in the social media internet era, so a lot of these things would have happened and we just wouldn't have found out about them uh, if we didn't live in those communities. But now it seems like it's happening more regularly. That's the impression. I don't know that it is. I don't know the stats. But there's certainly not dialogue between uh, police officers and uh, people from the community like this, like we were just driving in car talking. You know, it wasn't it wasn't a press conference. <laughs> it was actually it, it was a lot of fun. I mean, to tell you the truth, we were in there for eight hours, but yeah. it really it went by rather quickly because a the music was good, the conversation was good, yeah. And I was actually in line to a lot of things. Even being from a law enforcement background for eighteen years, you grow to be set in your ways to a point, or, or saying, or thinking. 
Sure, some people are going to have their opinion about law enforcement. However, this is how it really is. Let me explain it to you. Yeah. But listening to both of you and, and, and the questions, it became more and more evident that there is a wedge there mm-hmm. that is still uh, between law enforcement and the community. The mm-hmm. community being black, white, purple, green, whatever it is. Blacks. Blacks, yeah. yeah. And them, <laughs> them too. Let's just call a spade yeah. a spade. Mm-hmm. I can say that. Yeah. Uh, the yes. criminal element. The criminal. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that because we were in that situation, and we really were the, the working on the project, we got very close just because about the crazy nature of what we were doing. And we could let our we could let our guard down a little bit and actually talk and then make jokes about things that normally, you know, if you sh- if the police show up to the press conference and make and make jokes, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's stuff. We, yeah, that's yeah. Not you know what I mean. But you, I'm, as you say, you have to. You, you know, we were in a place and we you have to have a sense of humor about this stuff, uh, especially when you're dealing with a comedian and two comedians and a LAPD officer who has had many adventures that we won't go into on this show. <laughs> what you're talking about? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, but yeah, so I think that we just decided we'd like to have some of that conversation again and also get into some new stuff and also just get your perspective as a cop. Because the thing that I think I really appreciated was that you weren't saying, you know, well, you're not saying all cops are great and, you know, every cop is right to do what he does. I mean, right. say, put, put in your words. My words are basically is that, you know, there's uh, there's bad apples in everything. And mm-hmm. there's, there's good cops, there's bad cops, there's good doctors, there's bad doctors. And anybody who says... Oh, all my guys are great. Mm-hmm. Then you know they're they're biased and they may not be open minded. Mm-hmm. So let's face it: there are some bad police officers out there that make bad choices that that violate people's constitutional rights. Mm-hmm. But then again, it's a very small amount. Yeah. But those are the ones that end up on the air. Yes. And possibly that that uh, help contribute to this problem, which is the miscommunication between the community and law enforcement. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. You said something in the car that as long as there was as long as we were pulling from the pool of humans right as long as you have to choose your police officers or pull your police officers from the human uh, race you're always (laughs) (laughs) good and bad because let's face it uh, humans we're we're not infallible you know there's good and bad ones and yeah and talk about the thing you were saying about how you know if you you know if you like the difference between if you if you stop a guy on the street and say, can I talk to you a second? And he says, sure, I'll talk to you. And if you stop a guy on the street and he just takes off running. Right. And how you as a human, that affects you. Right. Well, the thing is, if, if, I, if I see you walking down the street and I have no probable cause to actually speak to you or talk to you, but I'm thinking, this guy, I just have this feeling. So This, talk, this talk dude's about, black. <laughs> this guy's black. Dude, why is he black. here? But talk about what that is, how that, like, what, you know, like, you, you know, what that, how you would get a feeling about something. Right. Well, you know, I, I pull up next to you. I say, hey, how, you know, how you doing? How's your day? And depending on how you know how, how you looked, what what your demeanor was, if you had any tattoos or anything, you know you may answer me, mm-hmm. or you may say, you know, I don't want to talk to you, and keep walking. Mm-hmm. At that point, I got to work on something else. But if I pull up next to you, hey sir, how's your day? And you look at me, you give me that that old crap look, and you start running. Yes, I'm a police officer. I'm thinking, <laughs> okay, why is he running? <laughs> you know, yes. we, we yeah. granted there is a, a distrust yes. with, with some of the police officers with the police. Mm-hmm. However. Not enough that somebody thinks that, oh, crap, if I stop, he's going to shoot me and execute me. Yeah. So if somebody's running, yeah. there's a reason. Okay. And then I become like a cat. Yeah. I'm intrigued, and i got to go find that <laughs> And then all police are trained to go into cat mode. Yeah. Everyone, uh, oh, look at those cats driving around. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. well, the law uh, in California uh, does state that that uh, fleeing is probable cause. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. So, and it's, But you have to articulate, you know. I'm in a known narcotics area. I'm in an area known for its gang activity based on XYZ. 
I initiated a consensual encounter. And that's talking about how you would say it to the front of the judge. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah. sorry. But for the podcast, I stopped this dude in these... Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. I, say, I want to hear how you no. say it in front of the well, judge. You know, I, I initiated a, a consensual encounter, at which point the uh, defendant, suspect, whoever you want to say, looked over at me, gave a surprised look, look and uh, immediately ran southbound through the houses holding his waist or whatever it is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm leading me to believe that he was possibly involved in criminal activity. And so, like you said, like if you were in a neighborhood that is known, that is a known drug area. Okay. Where, and it's, I don't know, I'm just creating, I'm creating a fake scenario. This is not based on anything that happened in the news. Your neighborhood's a known drug area. It's three o'clock in the morning. The streets are empty except for one dude who is shifting back and forth and looking around like he's waiting for something or looking for something. Uh... He's got crazy eyes. He's got one of those, whatever, one of those tattoos where it's like the lips on his lips on his neck. <laughs> lips on his neck. One of those tattoos that only that you say the kind of tattoos that only gang members. I get. well, I didn't say that the okay, lips okay, are. Okay. Anybody can have those tattoos. Yeah, but because well, anybody because anybody can get any tattoo. Right. It yeah. could be it, it. It's a piece of a larger puzzle. Yes. You know, so it's a piece of a, of a larger puzzle, and and it you know just you, if, let's say you have a puzzle of a hundred pieces. Mm-hmm. And yeah. somebody has five pieces. <laughs> yeah. Somebody has five pieces. It doesn't mean that they are yeah. the actual yeah. full puzzle. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So, but if it's like, but if you, let's so say he's just got tattoos that can be associated with gang activity. Right. And then you say, hey, and you pull up clearly a right. marked car, police officer, identify yourself, police officer, and you say, and you, what happens at that point? If you feel like the, right. that before you've, what happens at the point that you're, and you notice that that's the case. You're a, you're a clearly a police officer. What happens then? Right at that point. Well, if he's in, if this is a known narcotics area, and it's two thirty three in the morning, and he's standing there and he's looking around. Mm-hmm. Okay, granted, that's not against the law. Yeah, yeah. However, no narcotics area. I see tattoos that are uh, commonly associated with with being involved in gang activity or, or prison tattoos. Mm-hmm. That, in conjunction with my um, training and expertise, mm-hmm. I can um, articulate that. There's reasonable suspicion mm-hmm. for me to, to detain or, or to stop this person. Okay. So I would come up to him and say, hey, how you doing? Let me see your hands. You know, um, I'm going to pat you down real quick. You know, where do you live? You start the... So you, can, that, so you can say, hey, let me see your hands. Absolutely, because at that point, it's, uh, I've stopped him. I have reasonable suspicion mm-hmm. to believe that criminal activity... Uh, is happening now? Can he say? Can he say? No, I don't want you to pat. What if? What if? You know, I'm that guy. No, right. no I don't want you pat me down. I don't. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. What did I? I'm just standing. I'm right just here. standing here. Well, you, well where, do, where do you live? And what I do is at that point, I already know I have enough um, reasonable uh, reasonable suspicion to stop you and to, okay. to to conduct an investigation. So you are being detained at this point. <laughs> do I know I'm being detained? Well, yeah, because well, at that you know, if, if when you say, hey, wh- why are you stopping me? I said, well, do you live around here? You know, you know, they sell a lot of drugs around here. Okay. You know, and at that point, if you start to, you know, I don't want you to stop me. I don't want you to search yeah. me. See how quickly it escalates? Because mm-hmm. at that point, you're already, you know, trying to get away, trying to squirm. I'm thinking, yeah. okay. Why is this guy Why does this guy do this? Okay, yeah. I know it's, it's a, it's a, um, the location is bad. Mm-hmm. I don't have time to say, hey, listen. So, look, I'll stop you. With this. <laughs> <laughs> I've been thinking about yeah. it. And then, Let's talk. Let's, right. yeah. and, and that there, see, that was a great point you just made because, you know, things happen so quick. It yeah. goes from a zero to a seven or eight mm-hmm, like mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. Now, you as the person who's being stopped, let's mm-hmm. face it, if you have a rock in your pocket or you're waiting to buy some rock, mm-hmm. you know why I'm stopping you. Mm-hmm. But And you're going to do everything you can to either get away or to... To, to make me feel like, why are you stopping me? You can't do this. You right. know, I know my rights. And, yeah. 
But I'm thinking, I know you're doing something. I, I have this probable cause, yeah. reasonable suspicion to stop you. So, and that's where the, the problem starts sometimes. Because that person who has that rock in their pocket, can they get at Can they, if they were just to play it cool. Right. And just be like, oh, I'm just, you know, oh my God, I ate so much. I got to take a walk around the neighborhood. I'm watching my figure. Right. Well, at, at that point, I would ask, where do you live? And do you live in that neighborhood? Hypothetically, right. well, you, you know. Yeah, answer the question. Do you live in it? Yeah. Okay, well, well, let's say we're a, let's say we're an A. <laughs> you're, you're already, yeah. already giving a problem. Yeah. 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 It's just, sure. yeah, yeah, I live in this neighborhood. Yeah, yeah you got those crazy eyes like the girl yeah. from Orange yeah. is a New yeah. Black. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's say we live on A and First Street. And, yeah. you know, it goes B, C, D, yeah, yeah. 1, 2, 3. We're in A and First Street. So, yeah. so where do you live, sir? I live on E and 12th. E and Okay, that's about, let's say it's five or six blocks yeah. down, and it's 2.30 in the morning, so yeah. what, what brings you out here? Just looking to meet cops. <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> then you got to hold up. Yeah. Yeah. Now you got to call advice. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, he's a very attractive man. Yeah. 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 We don't go Thank there yet. Yeah. Yeah. But no, at, at that point, it, it becomes even more evident to me yeah. that you're, you know, six, seven, eight blocks from home, mm. 2.30 in the morning, you're hanging on the street corner in an area known for, for narcotics, you have no real reason to, you're not telling me anything, you're not saying, I was on a walk, mm. or if, you, let's say you, you said, you know, I ate a lot tonight, I'm just on mm. a walk, okay, well, I know that I have enough reasonable suspicion mm. to detain you, okay. so I'm going to, I'll say, hey, listen, I'm going to pat you down for my safety and yours, it's a really bad area, there's a lot of narcotics here, now, as I'm patting you down, let's say I feel a small round semi-hard object in your right front coin pocket little coin pocket oh, that's probably my well, penis <laughs> yeah well we, yeah, yeah it is small yeah does yeah. that happen <laughs> what penis is do you ever uh, do you ever feel uh, penis when you're patting down you know occasionally especially with the uh, with the black community and stuff oh, like boy. that yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know you guys are trying to bait me into saying stuff like yeah, that. no 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 yeah. no so I, i'm patting you down mm. now here's the thing i have to be able to articulate that at first touch whatever mm. it is that's in your pocket announced itself as being consistent with street narcotics. Mm. So if I say I'm patting you down for weapons and I feel something that's maybe a dime size in your pocket, I can't say that's a weapon, so I got it out. Yeah. I have to go with based on my training and experience. I know it was in your right front coin pocket, which is a location that uh, narc- narcotics users commonly use to store their narcotics, mm. um, which could be rock cocaine, cocaine, uh, heroin, whatever it is. So I would have to articulate that at first touch, I immediately recognized it as being consistent with street narcotics. Based on my training and experience, I formed the opinion that it was possibly XYZ narcotic. And then I can go in there and take it out. I cannot put my hand in your pocket if I'm saying, hey, what is this? And then I'm manipulating three or four Uh, times. At that point, it becomes illegal. Okay. So, but, uh, so, but, okay, so let's say for example, I'm a bad cop. Okay. Like I'm not. I'm a. I'm a I grew up watching The Shield. And I'm like, That's the cop I want to be. <laughs> it's not what you know. It's what you can prove. Yeah. Which. Yeah. Which I. Which I'll say this. I believe that the way that cops are portrayed in the media, and that we that in a movie the bad cop is the hero. The cop is like, I don't play by the books. Right. Take. Right. I don't care if you take my badge. I'm gonna do this myself. That that guy's the hero. People law and order. That. Yeah. And law and order all the time. It's like, hey, you can't do this. Tell it to the judge. You yeah. know, like there's that there's that history in the shield where he's a hero. Yeah. That I think part of the problem is that people grow up liking that version of police officers, and some of those people end up becoming police uh. officers. You, that 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 you watch the shield and you go and you sort of, and so 
you kind of the same way that like I grew up wanting to be a stand-up comedian mm-hmm. based on watching stand-up comedians. I think right. I think in in the entertainment industry, there's almost like we do a disservice <laughs> to people by creating a lot of images of bad police officers right. for people to grow up and go, oh, I want to be a police officer in the back of the head. They want to be <clears> the dude <throat> from the Shield. You know what I'm saying? So, right. Well, for me. God, I mean, I grew up watching reruns of Adam Twelve, and that was, oh, this, yes. th- and that is, you know, people ask, well, what happened to those two cops? Well, yeah. those two cops became the cops that dressed in, you know, in, in body armor and everything else when your criminals went from the guys you see in Batman yes. to to the guys with AK forty sevens and stuff. Yeah. So I never watched the Shield, but I can see what you're saying because people do romanticize that. Oh, that's the hero. That's the guy that's going to go out there and save everybody. The Clint, Clint, the dirty, hairy guy. Oh, no, him, yes. yes. I, I do like... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Inspector Callahan. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, go but, ahead, make my day. Make my day. And I'm sure if you're a cop and you in a situation mm. and you got the drop on a guy, that there's not all cops, and, and right. maybe not you, but there's got to be that temptation to want to be like, to quote a movie. You know? well, I, yeah. I think, you know what? I, I think I might I might have even done it because you do have to keep your... your your sense of humor out there. Yes. And if not, you're, you're going to lose your sanity. Yeah. Because yeah. it's almost like a bad marriage. You know, you you start as a police officer, you're in love with it, you're out there, it's the greatest thing. And then when the same crap starts happening day in and day out, it's like, oh, then it becomes work mm-hmm. to deal with that. And there's still the great times, but then there's also the bad times, mm-hmm. and then you have to put in more work. That's why when community leaders, whatever color, race, oh, I've been on a couple of ride-alongs, you're out there for a day, dude. It's like, hey, I'm ready for kids. I used to watch my, my, my brother's kid for an hour at a time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but yeah. you're not taking the kid home. You're not yeah, changing yeah. all the diapers. Yeah. So a ride along here, a ride along there is not going to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know what we're, we're uh, digressing. Oh, no, that's yeah. fine. This, is the whole, <clears throat> so, this whole thing was a digression in the car. But so, yeah. so let's say I'm, in a, I'm a, a cop. I'm a bad cop. I'm an admittedly bad cop. Right. Uh, I pull him over. And I have all the same suspicions that you do, but I'm right. a bad cop. Right. And so there's that thing that ha- that I feel like that you know, I, you know where do you live east and t- east uh, East Street and Twelfth. That's too far from home. I'm gonna pat you down for your safety and my safety. Hey man, I'm white. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're Jewish. Okay. And then uh, I start patting him down, and I do get to that pocket. I don't feel anything, but I go. Hey, is this like what? What are the things you're supposed like? I say the thing that you're supposed to say, even right. though I know I don't feel anything. Right. Well, here's the thing. You know that you know what I'm right. saying. Where I go, hey, is that drugs in your pocket? I feel I feel, a, I feel something in here just for an excuse to pull out your pocket. Right. Okay. And let's back up. That okay. wouldn't be a traffic stop. That would still be a pedestrian stop. Let's okay. say he wasn't in a car because that leads to a whole other. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So he's walking. Yeah. You uh, you detain him. Yeah. And you pat him down for quote-unquote weapons Mm -hmm. you feel something in his pocket you have no idea what it is you Mm -hmm. manipulate it a few times you ask him hey what is this which at that point it's going to be really hard to and he says oh i I don't know and you put your hand there and you get it out yeah and it's let's say it's a rock yeah so a rock of drugs yeah yeah Yeah, rock rock, okay yeah it's a geo is this amethyst yeah no that's a that's a jewel that's a rock that's a different we'll, ne- we'll never have a gym podcast. Yeah. 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 So at that point, you uh, you if you do arrest him, you're going to have to lie in that police report, and you're going to have to say, "I knew at first touch, you know, uh, that it was consistent with you know packaged street narcotics." At which point, I uh, uh, retrieve the uh, item from his right front pocket and possibly mm-hmm. rock cocaine. Mm-hmm. 
So you're not going to say I've manipulated it three or four times. Like, hmm, what's this? And but I'm I saying even to. I think I'm saying even a step beyond that. Like, it's like because I because there's a thing I just saw that where this did sort of happen, where the cop says the right thing even though he knows in his like. Oh yeah, you're still going to say the right thing. Yeah, you're going to yeah. say, hey, you know, um, it's like uh, during a use of force. If you're whenever you're in a use of force and somebody's resisting, you have to say stop resisting, stop resisting. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that there are bad cops out there that if they're just taking it to somebody, they're still saying, stop resisting, yes, stop resisting. That, well, that's what, I've had a video of that, of this, uh, which maybe we'll... You don't say, it. really? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> video of that. It's good that you bring that up. Uh, where is this? Uh, yeah. Yeah, so there's, you know, uh, you're going to say the right things, but knowing that... that uh, you're not doing the right things. You, your, yeah. your actions are not matching your words. And for the average person, they're not. I mean, for the so for the earlier situation where you haven't, where you've done the manipulation three mm-hmm. or four times, but you still say, I, "I felt it at first touch," and you write that down on the report. Is the average person going to know how to fight that, or um, the average? Person, I mean, in court, right? Yeah. right. Um, that's what the lawyer is there for. I mean, <laughs> that's what your attorney's there for to read the report. And then again, your average person is not going to have a rock in their pocket. And that's a whole other conversation. Because mm-hmm. chances are, if you have a rock in your pocket, you've been arrested before. And if this is your first time, it's probably going to be the first of many. Because, as Rick James said, cocaine's a hell of a drug. <laughs> <laughs> that's why most people get into it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, and you start to know these things. I mean, I remember I stopped this, uh, there's this Carlos, like four gang members in there. And I'm working with a probationer, and I'm as I'm talking to the driver, I'm noticing certain things inside the car. As far as one of the guys, one of the guys is shaking his leg. It's, it's, it's an SUV. Um, they have the, this heavy clothing on, and it's not that cold outside. And there's an open beer in the car. Hmm. I'm thinking, okay, I know I'm going to get these guys out of the car already because I got the beer, got the gang members. I look at my partner across the car, and I'm like, you know, go ahead. I just say, go ahead, and I'm thinking, go ahead, call for backup, you know. Hmm. And I'm looking at him again. I'm like. Go for it, and he's looking. He's like, "What?" And the guy, the guy, the gang member in the car, turns and says, "Hey, bro, he wants another unit." <laughs> <laughs> Which it, it was hilarious, but it's true. So yeah, they get they know things. They've been stopped so much that they know. He's calling for backup. Did you, backup bro. Could you hurry up and get this yeah, going? We got, yeah. yeah, there are four gotta, known gang members yeah, in here. Gotta, you see my tattoos? Yeah. You know what that means? Well, I got to get processed by two thirty, or else I will be late to my birthday <laughs> right. party tomorrow. Exactly, and, and so, stuff like this people don't realize because the criminal element, the, the people that have the continuous contact with the police know this stuff mm-hmm. so I know that now I know you want to speak about Ferguson mm-hmm. uh, I'm not yeah I don't, I'm not speaking for Ferguson I just want to make that clear but the event and I'm not speaking for for any particular yeah we're all speak, I, I, yeah, yeah we all, I'm here on my own I happen to be a black guy you happen to be a cop and, uh, I, mean, I retired from LAPD reti- but I'm not speaking right, yes, for right, the LAPD yeah, that's right. right and you happen to be a Mexican who sold out and became a cop it's horrible anyway. <laughs> I know <laughs> don't get jealous because I got hired and <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, didn't, I didn't pass the I didn't, couldn't, didn't pass the driving test uh, so you know the recent event in Ferguson where Michael Brown and we don't know any of the this has not been litigated yet has not gone to the courts yet but um, Michael Brown was killed by and uh, an unarmed black man Michael Brown was killed by Darren Wilson a police officer in Ferguson Missouri 
and, and there's been lots of eyewitness testimony that says that that the cop says that that Michael Brown fought him. Other people who say they were there say he didn't fight him. Then uh, the police have not been very revealing of the information and have not have not. I don't think they've arrested Darren Wilson or brought him in yet or indicted uh, the officer. No, they're, yeah. they're talking about the, the, the indictment. They're yeah. talking about it. So so and it was just it just you know from my perspective. Let's say Michael Brown deserved to be uh, killed for whatever. Let's say whatever. Let's say he brought it. Let's say he actually he deserved did, to be stopped by the or arrested. 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 Yeah. Yeah. The cops haven't done a good job of of engaging with the community uh, right. since then. And then the day that they released uh, the autopsy report, they also released footage of Michael Brown in a convenience store, uh, or at least what looks to be Michael Brown. I'm trying to be as clear about this as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> strong, doing a strong arm robbery of a convenience store clerk. Strong arm robbery means he didn't have a weapon. He just intimidated the guy. And Michael Brown's six. I love four. it. I love what you do. See what you're doing. You're already laying this. Just, he I'm didn't not, have a weapon. Okay. No, I'm, just, I'm trying to be clear about the fact that he's strong. I want a strong. I'd never heard the term strong arm robbery before. Right. So. Uh, what, it's, it's, yeah. it's another way of saying you robbed somebody you wanted to take their property you just yeah. didn't have a gun at the time yeah yeah. Yes, you, did. you just didn't have a gun at the time yeah that's what it listen I'll come back when I have a gun but <laughs> yeah. can I get this yeah. now I would still like yeah. to get this yeah. so alright so that's that. you know obviously we know there's been uh, protests and there's been people and this is from my perspective that rioters and looters snuck into the protest to create chaos that's my you know we can talk about that too uh, uh, and then that is obviously we know. And then the police came out in force in using military techniques that that the common person was not expecting or prepared the police to have. Which and anyway, you jump in here because right, well, I, I feel like I'm I'm gonna see the more I talk, the more I'm gonna be like I'm gonna get to we didn't land on Plymouth Rock. I'm just, I can't help but get to a place of like you know right. suddenly I'm Al Sharpton Jr. over here. So you know I'll just say from my perspective from what when I saw it. What happened to me is like it's just that another unarmed black man killed by the cops, right? Who I don't and I don't believe that the cop, if he does go to court, is going to serve is going to even it's not. I just don't believe it's a fair trial. I, that's that's how I well, feel. Well, and when you say fair trial, you mean he's not going to be convicted. That, I, that, don't want that. that is what I mean because I don't trust the legal system to even try to convict. Well, him. I don't trust the legal system, but it's funny how we come from two different sides. Yeah, I, yeah. I let's, you know. let's talk about that. So, yeah. basically, let, let's start from the beginning. Um, police officer sees Brown and his buddy walking in the middle of the street. Yes. Is that a crime? I think so. Okay. Yeah. I mean, or you could just say, you know what? The next big rig is going to take care of that. I'm going to keep driving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, you know, you see two guys walking in the middle of the street. It's got to be in California. It's a, co- it's a violation of the uh, of vehicle, uh, California vehicle code. So, you know, you're going to talk to them. There's your probable cause. There's your reasonable suspicion. Now, here, I'll say this. Everybody jaywalks at some point or another. Yeah, but it's still... Everybody does it. Doesn't mean it's okay. No, it doesn't mean walking, it's okay. Weren't they walking down the middle of the road, like not just crossing? The yeah, road? Uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not trying to, yeah. you know. But I think we've all at some point in our life we've we've done hmm. like it's still we've been in the middle of the street. We right. walk across street. There's not a lot of traffic. Right. I'm just saying I don't know exactly what it is, but it's not that jaywalking. Come is on, let me ask you a question. Right so, yes, sir. are you saying that because we've all done it? We shouldn't be given a ticket for it, or the cops shouldn't stop us for it because we all do it. Well, here's what I feel like: we I feel like speed. when I've seen people get, when I've personally seen people get tickets for jaywalking, it feels like it's it's more the Michael Browns than the businessman who's running across the street to. My dad got a ticket for jaywalking in a suit on break from work. Well, like I said, when I've seen it. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, just that it, jaywalking is one of those crimes but that no, I feel no, like. Did you hear that? What? Did I, yes, I did. His dad's guy. So. Yeah, dad's a white guy. Uh, <laughs> he is white, guy. right? Uh, 
Yeah, I mean he's a Jew. Oh, yeah. that's kind of like. Yeah, we'll yeah, but I, but like I said, it's just like it's it's what I'm just all I'm saying is that. Well, anyway, continue. He's no. got stopped for jaywalking, as right. you said, right. as, which is a crime. And if I was jaywalking, the cop stopped me. I would, right. I would be like, God. it's that thing where, as a person, as a citizen, you, sometimes you feel like it's that thing where you're like, don't you have murders to stop? Don't you have murders to create? Yeah, and, yeah. And, or murders to commit? Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Okay, we'll start there. People always say, don't you have something better to do? Yeah. Well, guess what? You know, uh, uh, enforcing the the, uh, the 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 vehicle code and and and. Uh, that's part of our job mm-hmm. and because there's three e's of traffic there's enforcement engineering and education you stop somebody to give them a ticket you're you're either doing it to, to educate them you're doing it to enforce the law or for engineering because the engineers will see hey there's a lot of these type of tickets here maybe we should re-engineer the the way the crosswalk mm-hmm. works mm-hmm. so but it's all part of our job mm-hmm. and if you have a job and you're a comedian you're not making people laugh you know, they're going to come and say, hey, something's up with your jokes. Mm-hmm. With us. And not that you have a certain quota of people that have to laugh. Yes. It's just people should laugh. Yes. Now, the thing is with police officers, we don't have a quota for tickets, but... So there's, that's, a, that's a great thing because people... I don't think you could say that enough because people believe police have There's police. a quota. Now, let's say, we, let's say <laughs> we all three of us worked uh, the PM watch on a certain shift. Yeah. Uh, you're writing six tickets. Ethan's writing four and I'm writing two. Who do you think they're going to come to be like, hey, you know, you got to start writing a couple more tickets. Me, because yeah. I'm going to be uh, judged or based, uh, yeah, judged on the performance of my peers. Yes. And it should all be kind of relevant. Yes. So that's the only way. Th- those numbers should all be relatively similar. Yeah. If you're writing two tickets and the average is five, for example, yeah. and then, then I feel like you're not paying attention. No, is it, and then but what like, if Kamau had 18 and you and I each had five? Right. And Does it go the other way where it's like, um, dude, what? Because <laughs> he's an overachiever? Yeah. No, no. I think that, that everybody in their, in, in their business wants somebody who's going out there and working and doing mm. what they're supposed to be doing. So, but back to, to Mr. Brown. Which is interesting to think What's that it that? doesn't go the other way. That it's like, that it's like, well, I'd be like, um, you maybe need to back off a little bit. <laughs> well, well, okay, here's the thing. I mean, if you're writing so many tickets and you get a couple of complaints that people are saying he's making this up, then it becomes something mm, totally okay. different. Okay. And now we're getting into different conversations. Right. Um, but yeah, so Mr. Brown and his buddy are in the middle of the street. And according to this uh, CNN uh Website. It's just on their homepage. Uh, the CNN. Web, I've heard of the CNN website. Yeah, it's it's, it's a bunch of made up stuff. It's, yeah. it's like, it's all of them started off. Once upon a time, there was a politician, <laughs> <laughs> and um, so they walk in the middle of the street, and uh, and when the officer says, uh, "Granted, the officer either said get the f on the sidewalk or get the f out of the street," and then, okay, now what? Now you say you seem like you were right. like. Uh, when you, right. you feel like that's like too inflammatory, or it, in it for for an initial contact, <laughs> <laughs> it's like you see a girl at a bar and like, hey, you want to go have sex? You know, yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah it's like you just you, you overstepped. Yeah, how hey, how are you? Um, you know, or, yeah. and, and let's say that that Mr. Brown and his buddy. I love that he calls him Mr. Brown. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's just like so police officer of you. Well, but, yeah. no, he's a human being. And yeah. He deserves it. Yeah. You know, well, he's Mr. Yeah. You yeah. Know, so Mr. Brown is there and. Uh, Actually, he sounds like he's from Reservoir Dogs, right? Yeah, <laughs> Mr. Brown. Yeah, so you know the, the police officer, said, you know, says that, and and then they, um, uh, the young men reply, "Man, we're not but a minute from our destination. We'll shortly be out of the street." Okay. Mm-hmm. Regardless, yes. a police officer is telling you to stop doing something that's illegal, and you say, "Man, I'm almost home. Leave me alone." Yeah. That's not going to flow. I don't care where you're at. Okay. Whether you're in. Let's call it a race thing. You're in Alabama, whatever yeah. it is, in the '60s, or you're in LA in 2014. Yeah, that's not going to fly. Yeah, that is an escalation of the situation. And as a cop, how do you feel when he, when, for example, he, uh, uh, 
like a, like somebody would go somebody yeah somebody, yeah I'm saying yeah, yeah. would goes man I'm on my way home I'm almost there yeah it, well, t- it's a little bit of contempt of cop and, and it's and what is it, contempt of cop I never heard that phrase until this week what does that it, mean it, it's it's when you you're pissing off the, the the police officer to to the point where he's going to start to react and take it kind of personally in a sense okay. you know? but that's not a law thing right no it, it's it's a term that we term. use and uh, LAPD uses it and stuff as far as it's more contempt of cop he pissed you off and that's why he did this yeah don't do that okay so, now is contempt of cop considered something that a citizen like for example if a, a citizen is contempt of cop is that considered to be something that you should be like uh oh this this person's being contemptible to me so i need to raise the situation up or no or, you're not we don't even think about that okay. yeah like, like this here if if i if i got and from what i understand mr brown is a large dude yeah you know and whether you're white black purple green large is large yes you know and, and he tells me that um a, I'm going to be like, all right, you know what? Hey, guys, I need you to get over to the sidewalk. I'm getting out of my car. I'm going to stop these guys. He's getting a ticket. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get back up. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, you're immediately going to get back up. Yeah. If I'm now, this is myself. not what happened. This is right. what you this would, what do. I would do. So in that situation, well, I'd just like to show that how the, how the timeline would differ if you were there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're saying that if Michael Brown says, no, no, I'm on my way home, you go, all right, get up, pull over side. I'm calling back up. That's immediately what you do. Yeah, well, because okay. these guys work by themselves out in Ferguson. Okay. Whenever you're a police officer and you're by yourself, you always have a sister or shadow car. Mm-hmm. Um, LAPD, we work with partners. Mm-hmm. Now, depending on, on how big uh, Mr. Brown's buddy was and everything else, if I had the partner that I had back at home, uh, mm-hmm. Billy Martin, great guy. Yeah. That's a plug. Big uh, shout out to Billy yeah, if you're listening. Hey, to my peeps. Um, you know, maybe we could do it on our own because if you deploy tactically, you know, we have them sitting down mm-hmm. and they're at a disadvantage, you can control that. Mm-hmm. But by myself, you got to get back up. Okay. Um, so at, at that point, it gets a little fuzzy. Like you said, some uh, some witnesses say that a struggle ensued and Mr. Brown tried to take the officer's gun. Mm-hmm. Others say that Brown was running away. Then he stopped, turned around, and came back. Mm-hmm. And then at that point, it all gets fuzzy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think what people forget is that let's take away Mr. Brown's color. Mm-hmm. He's a nondescript dude. Mm-hmm. He just robbed somebody. He's in the middle of the street. Mm-hmm. He's basically telling the cop to go after himself. I'm, I know where I'm going. Get out of here. Yeah. All those things are adding up. But the, but the thing about him robbing somebody, the the cop didn't know he just robbed. No somebody. no I, no. The cop didn't know. No no no. Yes. And and the thing is, whatever happened, Brown is a big guy, mm-hmm. and we see him on the video bullying this store clerk a couple of times. Like you know. Yeah yeah. yeah. And and I can't hear the audio. I'm not an expert, mm-hmm. but. I want to hug you. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't like that. Yeah. And, you know, I, like, I pay for things in hugs. Yeah. 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 You know, he puffs out his chest and yeah. like, you know, almost in, in in a sense as saying, what are you going to do? Get away. I'm taking this stuff. Yeah. Now, I just want to say this. If that is indeed him. All right. right. If that, but I'm just because it hasn't been. Okay. I'll, okay. I'll go with that. But let's, let's assume for the sake of argument that that's him. That's him. Okay. So, he's a, there's a pattern there. There's a pattern showing that he, there is a lack of respect or some people say even a blatant disrespect for the law mm-hmm. at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a blatant disrespect for authority, mm-hmm. which there's nothing wrong with. Yeah. I have a problem with authority, <laughs> but I know that you have to respect authority, especially when you're breaking the law and they're going to stop you. Well, yeah, and I have a problem with authority, but when authority has a gun, I tend to, uh, <laughs> to pay more attention. Which, uh, which is sad because the thing is you shouldn't have to, you know... See, because I, I, we were talking about this before, and we'll get back to this in a second. For me, when cops and in any interaction with the police, 
I get very like it's like because I know I'm six four. I could be considered you're a big dude. Yeah, I'm a big dude. I get like I, I said, ass though, but you're a big dude. <laughs> <laughs> you made that clear every morning. Don't forget, I get yes. It's because I'm scared. Aren't you <laughs> supposed to be working my security? Yeah, but I might have to. Because I'm scared. Yeah, you uh, yeah, but. Uh, that that I understand it's like an animal thing that if I deal with a cop I become smaller like my head goes down my shoulders slump and it's not and it's conscious and it's also unconscious because I also and I keep I keep eye contact and yes sir and, you know suddenly I, I get a little bit slavey yeah master I don't know what's going on around here uh, the suspect appeared slavey <laughs> <laughs> because I want to make it clear to the police officer that I'm ceding the authority that I'm giving up my whether I'm bigger than you, whether I actually could kick your ass in a fight, I'm giving you all the authority because that's how I was raised to get out of the situation alive, most likely. Right. You know. So. Which is sad. Which, yeah. which it should not have to be that way. It shouldn't have to be that way. And I, and even to the point that I told that story before about like when I was in New York working on Totally Bias early on. One day I was walking down the street and I and somebody hit my shoulder and said, "Hey man!" I turned out it was a cop and I got all like, ah! and he was like, "I like," and he I could tell he felt bad that I responded that he's like, I, "I like your show, thanks, thanks man." So and you've I, had positive interactions with the police, is what you're saying? That was the last one. <laughs> but then my show got canceled. I don't know how if he didn't do that. But then I'll say this, and then this woman was with me. She goes, "Oh, he was so excited to see you. He wanted a picture," and I felt bad oh. that I didn't. That I clearly created an environment where he wasn't going to ask for a picture because he he goes like, "Do I smell you shitting your pants?" <laughs> yes, you do, sir. Whereas I I love to take pictures with people when people go. I want right. that's not, but because he was a police officer, and I think he was a Latino dude. That but that didn't. I didn't see Latino. I saw police officer, and I immediately assumed the position, the intellectual position of like, what did I? Th- Here's the f- fucked up thing about me because of oh, this. Oh, finally, finally, is that <laughs> I start to go. Did I accidentally steal something and didn't? Because like, I just walked out of a store. Oh, Did I, I accidentally that. have a coffee in my hand that I forgot to pay for? Did I pick up that thing? Because my mom taught me. Is this the cash thing. register in my hand? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did I just murder everyone in there and I forgot? Because in my head, it's like that thing that my mom taught me when you go to the store, don't touch anything unless you're going to buy it. Go in, do what you do, and get out from a very young age. Uh, when you get followed, don't don't get upset. You know, not if you get followed. So I have that in my head, and I'm still like, did I did I pay for this coffee? So I'm always afraid that somehow something. And I'm again, I'm not gonna say I never stole anything. I'm not gonna say that, but I'm not a guy who walks around stealing things. You know, right? So let's say the Springsteen song, Forty One Shots, where it says, if uh, the mom's talking to her son, and she says, "Promise me, if an officer stops you, you'll always be polite, and you'll never ever run away." And you keep your hands in sight. That's yes, sir. That's yes, sir. Forty-one shots. That's it's, that's know. it. Yeah. And so we're back to so let's so now we're back to the what happened with Mr. Brown right. and Officer Wilson. So right. so they got fuzzy. Yeah. He, and at that point, uh, the An officer involved shooting occurred. Yes. We don't know what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, like I said, all we know is that, and I don't know Officer Brown's background officer wilson officer wilson i'm sorry if he's if he has other complaints i don't know Mm -hmm. but from a police officer standpoint people are talking about as we spoke about the amount of shots Mm -hmm. was it eight eight shots i think Uh, six or eight shots i know it wasn't 41 no no it was not 41 uh, yeah, because there's video released. Somebody was video chatting. Yeah, remember? Right oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, 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 it was two different, and it was two different clusters of shots, which is right. why, yeah, that it was like a bunch of shots, 
Then it was a pause while the guy right. was like, "Baby, if you don't come over here, I'm gonna get that." <laughs> it was such a was, crazy. Uh, just where we are in society that there's going to be audio and video evidence of everything, but it doesn't mean that it was intended to be getting the <laughs> thing. So it's a guy clearly talking about, "Girl, if you don't come over there, pop, pop, pop," and the fact he doesn't react, I'm gonna get back down there, <laughs> pop, pop, pop. So priorities, man. Yeah. So I'm just pulling up. You want to pop, pop, pop? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. The, so talk about that. So people talk about the number of shots, right? Well, now you're getting into, again, a big guy. I don't know what caliber of gun um, uh, Officer uh, Wilson carries. So, obviously, Mr. Brown's um, adrenaline is pumping. Mm-hmm. He's fired up. He's going towards an officer. Obviously, he's, his adrenaline's going. Well, let's just say there's an alt. There's, it has become physical. Oh, yeah, yeah. Whatever, whatever's yeah. happening. Yeah. So if I shoot somebody three or four times and, and they're they're your size. Yeah. Let's say that so we're in the middle of a thing and right. we're in the middle of a physical Okay, you're coming at yeah. me and I feel that my life's in danger and I have to draw my weapon. Yeah, let's just let's just take it away from this for a second because I think some people would but if we're if we actually are in the middle of an altercation mm-hmm. and I'm I am six foot four, two hundred and fifty yeah. pounds and I just start running at you right. and you well, okay, tell me what happened. So Let's say I shoot four times, four or five times. Because, you know, we are taught at the um, the way you train is Two shot, three round bursts. There either be two to the body, one to the head, or just two center body mass, center body mass. Mm-hmm. But the and is that every cop or is that in LA specifically? Do you know if it's all cops or? I can't speak for all the departments. The majority that I know of, okay. yes. Okay. So let's. So you're say, taught to shoot two to the two, two to the body, one, one to the head, or right, all one center. to the head if they keep coming and stuff okay. like that. Because it's not to kill. It's that if you draw your weapon and you're pulling that trigger, it's because it's a life or death situation, not because we're going to kill you anyway. Mm-hmm. So if somebody's coming at you. And you, you know, your adrenaline is gonna. You can pull the trigger four or five times and not realize it because that person is still coming at you, even though they've been struck three or four times. Their adrenaline is keeping them coming forward. Your adrenaline is keeping you pulling the trigger. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, okay, let's say Officer Wilson shot four or five times, and the fact that there's a second round mm-hmm. of burst could be that. Uh, Mr. Brown stumbled, maybe got back up, came towards him. It could, sure, could it be mm-hmm. that Mr. Uh, Brown went down, Wilson was pissed off and shot him a couple more times? Yes. That's possible. I'm yes. not, if I sit there and say, oh, that's absolutely not possible, mm-hmm. I'd be talking out of my, my yes. ass. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but people don't realize that it's not like in the movies. You shoot somebody three or four times and they go flying backwards and they fall down. <laughs> a rope pulls them out of a window. Yeah, and it yeah. does not happen, especially yeah, that, with a handgun. Well, that's the thing. I mean, a lot of times when I hear something like this, I'm like, well, why don't they just shoot them in the leg? And then they fall down and then right. nobody gets killed. So let's say, you know, you're a police officer, somebody, anybody, whatever size, you have your gun out because it's a life or death situation. Mm-hmm. They're coming at you. It's not easy to shoot a leg when they're coming at you and your adrenaline's going and their adrenaline's going. You're not there to do that. You have that weapon out because it's a life or death situation. You're going for center body mass. It's not about, well, let me stop like they do in the movies and shoot this guy in the leg. It does not happen. It, and I know you're not a gun enthusiast, but if you ever get an opportunity to, to go out to an open gun range, try those type of drills on your own. Why don't we do? Why don't we try and shoot each other in the leg? <laughs> I'll tell you what. I'll go first, and then if I feel that, that, that we haven't proven our point, then you guys can shoot me. <laughs> oh, you're right, man. You got my. It foot. is hard. You totally missed my leg. Right. Maybe we can stop now. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the, the thing you're saying is that uh, once the gun comes out, it's it's coming out because the officer. F- feels that he's in a life or death situation. Fears for his, his or her life or the, the life of, of, of a citizen. Now, okay, so here's my question. Let's, let's try to t- take, I mean, we can, t- with Michael Brown, 
what about all those? Because we talk. What about the? Because Michael Brown isn't isn't doesn't have a gun. We, he didn't have a knife. Nobody's reported him with any kind of weapon. What about all those other things that hang off the belt? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because right. like that cool baton or that or the taser. Like I feel like you never. Mm. It, the only time you, the only time I've seen cops use batons is when it was the cops surrounding Rodney King, and right. there was eight of them. But we're not going to talk about Rodney King. We just but did. If, okay. <laughs> yeah. See, I stuck that in. But what about the? What you never? It feels like, and this is true in the movies. Like a cop pulls out his baton, does a judo flip. Yeah. Put the knee on the back. Our lock. I watch T.J. Hooker too. Yeah, yeah exactly. But what about all those other things? Because to me. Why should, and I've not been a cop, but why should it feel like a life or death situation? Because we're assuming that Mike, that Officer Wilson felt like he was in a life or death situation with Dwight Pellett's gun. When it's two unarmed dudes, and you have the training on your side, and you have all right. the bat gear. Right, <laughs> right. You yeah. need to my sharp repellent. Oh, no, he's not a sharp. Yeah, yeah. Not, but, you know, just, right. what, you know, for example, baton. Tell me about right. a baton. Well, well, let's go back to what you're saying as far as two dudes, you know, and, and one officer. Yeah. Two on one is not... Is not good. It's yeah. uh, you know that that that's yes, and even there. I understand. Two big guys coming at me, they're gonna be able to take my gun, mm-hmm. and if if they punch me hard enough, the big guys they're gonna render me unconscious, mm-hmm. and who knows what's gonna happen. That's a deadly force situation. Okay, well let's just so, say let's say one guy for a sake right. of argument, just because there have been situations yeah, where if it's one on one, and 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 I I'm able to. Um, Assess and think. Okay, this is going to escalate. I can see this. Mm-hmm. Then you go to the use of force scale. Mm-hmm. You have the uh, the consensual encounter. It's a zero. Then yeah. you go up to if you're becoming aggressive, combative. Yeah. Uh, the baton. You have the the, the pepper spray. Um, you have the the taser. And then you know, uh, in that same uh, ballpark, there's front kicks. There's all kinds of things. But mm-hmm. that's in the textbook textbook situation. I stop you. We start talking. Mm-hmm. You get mad. I pull out my pepper spray and I spray you. You wipe it off. You're like, oh, that doesn't hurt. You're gonna come at me. I pull out my baton. And you're saying that can happen. The pepper spray doesn't. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Okay. It doesn't. It doesn't affect everybody. Okay. I pull out my baton. I, I I deliver a couple of strikes. You back up and you keep coming at me. Mm-hmm. Now it's it's escalating because I'm mm-hmm. thinking, you know, this guy's been sprayed. He's been batoned. <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> now now people think, well, can't you just tase him? Then they're gonna knock out. Yeah. And the taser does not knock people out like it shows on TV. Yeah. It it's it works in five second bursts. And it has two little prongs, so I'll tase you. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be for a five-second burst. It's not going to knock you out. Um, it, it, it should incapacitate you. Mm-hmm. Some people can will, will fall down. Mm-hmm. But guess what? After those five seconds, you're fine. You're jumping back up. <laughs> and, and some people, it doesn't even affect them that way. And it depends on how much, how much clothing you have on. Mm-hmm. So the taser is a great tool. And it only tool incapacitates for five seconds. For five saying. seconds. If it does incapacitate. Okay. The thing is, if there's three or four cops and a big guy like you, we have to have a plan. Okay, I'm going to tase him. Hey, uh, you know, Jones, you're going to get his left arm. And uh, Washington, you're going to get his right arm. <laughs> <laughs> we know and, that's a black and, cop, yeah. Yeah, and uh, Greenbaum, you're going to get his left arm. <laughs> so, Woo! <laughs> We're in there. Yeah. You have to have a plan because a taser is more of a tool that you use to help you transition to something else in order to affect the arrest. It's mm-hmm. not an end-all to mm-hmm. fights. Mm-hmm. So with, um, with Ferguson or anything else, apparently... No, you don't have to go take all those steps. A lot of situations go from a zero, which is a consensual encounter, to deadly force in mm-hmm. a split second. Mm-hmm. And apparently that's what happened in Ferguson. Yeah. So Well, if that, but that's the thing I feel like sometimes. It just feels like it's almost like you, if you, I don't know, like 
that it, that I would imagine if I was a police officer that it would be tempting to be like, do I want to go through a whole thing with a taser and that doesn't work? And you know, let me just use this gun I got. You know what I mean? It just feels like that. That you no, know, it doesn't seem like. A cop wants to get in a fist fight, or a cop wants to do his baton, like the, the, do the things with baton or or taser or pepper spray. That it's just like it's just easier to go to the gun because that's that's the party stopper. Well, I, well, on that point, I will say this: with LAPD, you pull the gun out and somebody makes a complaint, you're going to have a lot of paperwork because LAPD is going to make you. You're going to have to articulate why did you even remove your gun from your holster. Mm-hmm. It is a pain. Now you shoot somebody. Now you're really under the microscope. Mm-hmm. What did you do before the call? What was the conversation in the car? If it was you and your partners, did you guys talk about tactics? What did you guys talk about? Everything else, you know. What um, what was what was your plan? Okay. Now you made contact with this suspect, and then I, what did you do then? What did you say? Mm-hmm. Every word, everything is is under a microscope. It is a pain. Well, let me. Well, okay. On that point, let's go back to Ferguson because it feels like the Ferguson Police Department. Take let's take it off of mm-hmm. Darren Wilson. By not coming, cle- not by not coming out quickly with a statement, and by not uh, bringing him in for indictment, or in, by not doing that stuff quickly, and by letting all this time pa- collapse, they inflame the situation so that people, what people believe, is that all that we we know all that stuff has to happen. You got to paperwork, and you got to talk to people, but that they're getting their story straight is right. what it feels like from the outside. Well, I, I've always I wondered this: what was the last big thing that happened in Ferguson? <laughs> uh, what was the I, I don't know, Nelly concert? Yeah, you, you yeah. think so? And uh, what was the last time that this uh, administration had to handle something like oh, this? I hear what you're saying. I hear you and saying. I, I, it's not an excuse. I don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Is it just like a Malaysia thing where they're ignorant and they're kind of like in over their heads and they're yes. like, shit? We don't know what we're doing. Yeah. Or and, and you mean there, the Malaysia plane thing? You don't yeah, mean yeah. Malaysia in I'll general? Say, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, Malaysia. Yeah. Mh370. Yeah. Or or is it a you know? Can we assign sinister motives to, to their actions? Or is I'll it say as a member of the black community, yes, yes. we can. Exactly. I think that because we just feel like there's a history of... Because of, I've had it explained to me. I've had it explained to me. You explained it to me, and I don't want to get right. why the Rodney King... Why the cops got off in the Rodney King situation. And I've had it explained to me by you and other intelligent people on the side of law enforcement or or, or just white people at um, my in-law's house. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke. Uh but uh, I would is never, it? I would never bring up Rodney King around it? certain <laughs> of my family. But uh, no, but he does think that, like I've explained to me. But that doesn't make it make sense, right? So that you know, like so, somebody later can be like, well, they had to really like it's just as a member of the black community, you just go, well, cops pr- protect their own is the is how we feel about it. So you say yeah, there's all this paperwork, but we feel that the guy across from the desk of you who's making fill out the paper was like, look, man, just don't make. Just, don't make this hard on yourself. You know, like, just again, fill not, it out the way you no, want. Right, and again, you may be going back to some of the movies and stuff you've seen, but, yeah. but then again, are there cops like that? Yes, mm-hmm. there it's, are. But the majority of police officers, like in LAPD, you know, internal affairs used to have a bad rap. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe some of them were assholes back in the day, and they just hated cops. Mm-hmm. But I happen to know some very good police officers that work internal affairs, and they're there because they want to keep the level of police officers high, mm-hmm. which is as it should be. Mm-hmm. That's where it should be. And I know what you're saying as far as you have this, you know, cops protect their own. Mm-hmm. The thin blue line. Is yeah, it's yeah. And, and to a point, you we do have of to, course, just like yeah. anything else. Doctors yeah. protect their own. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, comedians protect, protect their own. But I'll say about, writers protect yeah. their own. I'll say this about comedians, though, and I think there, there, is a, there is a sense that comedians, a lot of comedians think that we should protect our mm-hmm. own. 
But I'm of the opinion that, like, un- unless my own fuck up, then I have to be... You're right. That, it, that I look stupid for not saying something or for or for blindly f- falling in line. You know, right. I'm not saying... I'm not trying to go after any comedian. But, you know, like, things happen with comedians all t- sometimes where they do things and they get a lot of bad press. And sometimes other comedians or other people come to me, how come you're not defending blah, 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 blah? Because I don't agree with what he said. Right. Like, you know, like, right. And he's a person and I'm a person. Right. You know? well, yeah, and, and with anything else... As a police officer, you understand that it's not black and white out there. You know, um, no pun intended. Yes. You know, it's cops and black. It's cops and black, pretty yeah. much, and yeah. browns, too. Yeah. So, you know, let's say, you know, come on, you and I are partners, and it's 2 in the morning, we're out in the street. Guess what? We're keeping that neighborhood safe. Mm-hmm. People want safe neighborhoods, but they don't want to see what it takes to keep it safe. You and I know our job, we're out there, we're going to catch the bad guy, but we also want to go home in the morning. We mm-hmm. want to go to our families. Mm-hmm. Are we going to break the law? No. Mm-hmm. But we are going to have each other's back. Mm-hmm. Law enforcement is not easy. It's not a simple job. It's not a science where two plus two equals four times pi equals it. No. Mm-hmm. You can have three different situations with, with guys in stolen cars, and each one is going to end differently. You know why? Because each person that stole a car stole it for different reasons. One stole it to get away because he just robbed a bank. Mm-hmm. One stole it because he just killed his wife and he's got a gun in the car. And the other guy is just a 16-year-old kid going for, for a joyride. Mm-hmm. But guess what? When we're chasing them, we know all these things, but we don't know who's in that car. Mm-hmm. So we have to prepare for the worst possible scenario. And I think that's, I, and I hear what you're saying, and I think sometimes people feel like that 16-year-old kid gets treated like the guy who just killed his wife. Right, and get, and you know, you're right, but we don't know that. I know, I you understand. Know, and, 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 you know, like when uh, when the news media are following police pursuits on top and they're telling the people at home, oh, so we're just fine, okay, it seems that this guy is doing this, <laughs> and our, our newsroom just called his mom. And, <laughs> But the, the cops in the black and white chasing him have a fraction of that information. And mm-hmm. guess what? Even if it comes out over the radio, uh, you know, the, the defendant suspect's mother's called and said that he's just upset and, you know, he's got no weapons. Thanks, Mom. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't want to kill any cops, he swears. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's so. totally not interested in, in killing. Because so, I think the thing you said earlier, and I just want to make sure we highlight this, because the thing, that, like, let's assume Michael Brown for the moment did strong arm that guy. And I think when we you're when you back up and say in the street he had just robbed a guy that cop didn't know that at that moment he didn't right. know he just he just knew this kid was in the street because uh, and he was walking on the street and the thing is I wish Michael Brown was alive to defend him to go to court for that strong arm robbery yeah because he pleaded no contest and stayed quiet and let his lawyer talk <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah, no, but, but but now it's like. There seems to be, there seems to be like, and this is not just limited to Michael Brown, that too many times situations that seem like 50 years ago was a kid, just that kid's just being a kid, or that guy's just, a, that it ends up in, in, some, in, a, in somebody being killed. Right, know? well, okay. Let's take the robbery out of the, of the scenario. The only, the only reason I brought up the robbery mm-hmm. is because it goes to show... Well, yeah. That once you mindset, once well, you back out of it, that once you know all the facts, as you said, right. like the news, you go, well, he had just robbed, it, like or, you know, he had just robbed his right. liquor store. This, so maybe he wasn't an angry guy. He's we not just, this this yeah. little kid in little league that they're portraying. And he yeah. was a was he a great kid? I don't know. Apparently not. He just robbed a store. Who would rob a store? But he yeah, but a, that, but you probably did things when you were a teenager. That I don't I know. Did, I'm not I didn't rob a store. Okay, I'm saying, but with, I just feel like there's robbing are two different things. It yeah. takes okay, to go into a store and put a candy bar in your pocket. Maybe we've all done that. But to go and grab something and go to the clerk and go to his face and say, what are you going to do? Or, yeah, or, yeah, or whatever. That yeah. is, I hear, I hear you. Okay. that's Fair a enough. whole different level. Fair and enough. then to be walking home in the middle of the street and a police officer comes up to you and says, hey, however he says it, get out of the street. Mm-hmm. I'm almost home. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Whoa. It's like, okay, now let's take that mindset. 
Mr. Brown, regardless, that day, at least this, that, that day, was not a nice guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He was not, a, was he a law-abiding person? Obviously not. Yeah. That day. Yes. That day. Yeah. All those, take all that into consideration and take away his color, you have somebody who's breaking the law mm-hmm. and the police officer, take away uh, Wilson's color, there to enforce the law mm-hmm. and criminals don't, criminals have no respect for the law mm-hmm. and that's what happens when good and bad get together. Now, I might say, no, let's go back. Okay, he's, he's, he's black. Mm-hmm. It would be great if during, if, if your next project or something, you go to the FBI mm-hmm. and you compile. And confess how, all my sins. <laughs> <laughs> Forgive me, Fed, I have sinned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but find out, okay, just take, I mean, a, a couple of states. How many arrests? Let's say there was 10,000 arrests. How many were black? How many were white? How many were Asian? Out of all these arrests, how many were felonies? How many were, were misdemeanors? How many ended up in a use of force? Of those uses of force, how many were, were deadly force and, and to what level were those uses of force? Mm-hmm. Um, and out of the, these uses of force, how many of those suspects, black, white, purple, whatever, mm-hmm. were uh, parolees that had been in prison? And then at that point, we'll have some solid information yes. to, to talk about. I, at least I feel like we can, I mean, we're agreeing on a lot of stuff, first of all. It's also just great to talk to you about it. It was great to have this conversation. This one's good, great too. The idea that, like, we have to work on police community cop relations. That's a great point because I was going to say that. The thing is, you know, some of these community leaders will go and say, again, I did a ride along. I talked to the police officers, but they have their own agenda. They're still trying the. For the black community, they're trying to make the police see things their way. The mm-hmm. police are trying to make the black community see things their way. How mm-hmm. about you just come together and say, it's not your way, it's not my way. Let's see how it is. Mm-hmm. This is how it is, and let's work on that. Yeah. And how it is, is that human beings don't like to be told what to do. I don't. Yes. And if you're a criminal, you don't like to be caught. Mm-hmm. If you're a cop, you don't like people to tell you, no, screw you, I'm going to walk in the middle of the street. Yeah. And... You know, so some of these community leaders need to, to come to some of the training and understand some of these the, these things. Let's put some of these community leaders on the ground wrestling with somebody. It sounds silly. <laughs> oh, please, next episode, Man, you got you to wrestle but, but, Al Sharpton. But, you know, yeah. the thing is, but then you, you say, okay, now these officers are going through this. Mm-hmm. We have to understand what they're going through. Now, we as black people, not no, you, you know, mm-hmm. this is what we go through the, in the United States. And mm-hmm. as I've witnessed before, there is racism out there, and, yes. and the black community is—it's like, oh God, I have to use—it's like a, 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 not okay. It's it's like a, let me use a, a cute like like a horse that's been beat too much. They're gonna be shy. They're gonna be like <laughs> gun shy, like you know. Whoa. I yeah. Well, here's that's one thing. I think we have to get to the point where because police want to talk about it solely from the policing perspective, and black people want to talk about it from the black perspective. And when we have that conversation, sometimes. Black people are saying, don't tell me about it from a police perspective. And and cops are saying, don't tell me about it from the race perspective. And we have to t- we have to talk about it like we are today, from both perspectives. And until then, I think we have we figured it out. We just shouldn't let human beings be cops. Yeah. Robo cops, except for me. Yeah, you, you, you. But the rest of them, we need to get RoboCop on the street right. as soon as possible. And it, it would be great to, to, you know, if we can, maybe we'll get together and, and you know, See if we can talk to the FBI about giving those stats, and yeah. it'd be interesting to see. Okay, how many people were arrested? How many were black? How many were this? Where are the use of forces? Where is this all coming from? How much is race related to a point? What can we tell? And that will be a great starting point. Thanks, thanks Brad. for the time, man. Appreciate thanks. it. Hey, everybody! So that was episode one of Cop Talk, or maybe uh, episode only of Cop Talk, depending upon what happens. Uh, I hope you appreciated it. Hope you uh, got some new information. 
Hope you learned some things. Hope you laughed a couple times. Hopefully, hopefully more than a couple times. Uh, hope it didn't piss you off too much. Or I hope it only pissed you off the uh, necessary amount to be pissed off to make some changes happen. Uh, yeah, so thanks for listening. If you like it, maybe we'll do some more. If you don't like it, maybe we'll do some more, but you just won't listen because you don't have to because it's a free country in that one specific regard. So thanks for listening, and thanks to uh, Earwolf for letting us put this up there. All right, talk to you later. Peace. No, seriously, peace. Seriously, peace. Unless things are bad, then then make some noise so we can get to some peace. All right, peace. Dolly, y'all! This is Tony Rodriguez. This is Carlos Santos. This is Riza Licea. And this is Oscar Montoya. When our powers combine, we are Spanish Aquí Presents! We have a brand new podcast here on Earwolf bringing you the best of the best of lo mejor of the Latinx comedy. Join us every Tuesday as we chat about what's going on in our lives, Latinx culture, and ¿qué es lo que? Lo que no está picando. Lo que te pica. Don't worry, we'll tell you what that means if you listen. We'll also be joined by a new guest every single week. We'll get to know a little bit more about their lives. Every single week. Uh-huh. And then we'll make them sit back and watch us improvise their lives right back to them. Improvisation. <laughs> Spanish Aki Presents premieres July 16th. Subscribe now in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. Hola, Nesea. Spanish Aki Presents. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.